right, another episode of the Square Encompass podcast, another in the series of interviews with the 2021 Grand Lodge candidates. Uh, this time, we have got Brother Richard Kaufman on the, the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me, Cameron, and hello to all your listeners and viewers of, uh, of your podcast, Square Encompass. It's great to, to be with you today. It is great to have you. So this is the fifth interview I've done, um, fifth episode published in a, a row. We've been doing one per day. So I will go through these caveats very, very quickly. Um, the, every candidate uh, has an open invitation. If for whatever reason, uh, I haven't been able to get in touch with you and you are a Grand Lodge candidate, my email is on the bottom of the screen. Look down. Uh, Send me an email. I would love to have you on the podcast. The description to this video includes information about the 2021 voting process for any Ontario Masons watching this. If you want to know how you can take part and vote, the information is from Grand Lodge. Um, Scoring Compass is not endorsing or not endorsing any candidates. It's just a chance for every candidate to, to be on the podcast, to have a chance to talk with us. And uh, obviously, Square and Compass does not reflect the views necessarily of the Grand Lodge of Canada or the Windsor Masonic Temple. And with all of that good stuff out of the way, uh, really, Kaufman, thank you so much for being here once again. Well, thank you. Um, it, it, this is a great forum, and I'm so glad to see us starting to take advantage of technology that's available to us, uh, whether it be video or the Candidates Nights, the one last week, which was uh, hosted by Grand Lodge on, on their um, Masonic education platform. And of course, the one coming up, uh, well, by the time people hear and see this, they will both have been completed, but the one coming up uh, tomorrow evening, uh, because we're talking today, the day before. So I think it's wonderful, and I'm glad to be participating. So let's start with, with that, and let's um, start with the increased use of the virtual or technological world, uh, some of which precipitated by or caused by the pandemic and needing to find yes. new ways to meet and communicate. Some of which, you know, preempting that, the use of electronic, you know, email for, for summonses. Um, I guess moving forward, well, first moving forward just a couple months, um, how do you foresee the first virtual Grand Lodge going? Um, you know, are, are you in talks with people about the, the electronic voting process and, and the virtual nature of this? And I guess, what do you think of it, not only the challenges, but also some of the opportunities that the virtual world presents for Freemasonry? Well, what I really appreciate about virtual technology is the other evening I commented afterwards, there were uh, about 350 participants from across the jurisdiction. So in, in one effort, we can try to engage our membership across this vast province. Southern Ontario don't appreciate the fact that if you're in Kenora, you're actually in a different time zone. So I think there's a lot of positivity about the technology. Some brethren are hesitant, and I'll talk about that in a minute. 
But I also think that we can thank the, pan uh, the pandemic for probably uh, propelling us about 10 years into our future. I remember being brand new, you know, to, to Freemasonry and every year around, you know, May and June, you start to hear brethren talk about Grand Lodge, talk about elections. Um, mm -hmm. So can you talk about, well, first of all, talk a bit about, you know, your candidacy, the position you are running for, but more broadly, um, for some of the, the newer brethren, what, what these positions mean, um, what Grand Lodge kind of means and, and the annual communication. The general purposes is comprised of 25 members, uh, five of which are in the honorary category. These members of the Board of General Purposes are appointed by the Grand Master for a three-year term. And generally, they have specialized background to help serve Grand Lodge. They may have accounting designations, law degrees, or other particular skill sets uh, to support Grand Lodge. Uh, but they are, they are full voting and, and members. And they are often the chairs of the Committee on Discipline, the Committee on Jurisprudence and Constitution, and those, those types of roles. Then you have um, 10 elected members of the Board of General Purposes, and I'm seeking one of those seats. And you have 10 appointed members of the Board of General Purposes. And because we serve two-year terms, Every year you, you vote for five of the candidates that are on the ballot. And, and then you have this uh, offset, right? Next year you vote for a different five. I won't be running next year because I'm in the middle of my term. I hope I, I've explained that clearly. And we're the people that chair committees, help support committees. Uh, we are the workers of Grand Lodge. Um, I've had the privilege of now serving on our management committee for two years, having been appointed to management by um, our Grand Master, David Cameron. And uh, I've been leading the operations pillar. So our, our, we've organized ourselves into five pillars and we have five, um, three elected and two appointed members of management in addition to the Grand Secretary, the CEO, the Grand Treasurer, the Chairman of Auden Finance, uh, who make up our sort of that senior management group. So under the operations pillar, I have responsibility for the Benevolence Committee, uh, the Audit and Finance Committee, the Strategic Planning Committee, uh, Lodge Buildings Committee, and Lodge Financial uh, Advisory Committee. So that's what I've been working on primarily the last two years, but every, virtually everything that the committees do uh, does cross the management table. And I'm, I'm looking to return to that. Um, I, I've served 10 years on the board, the last two on management. Prior to that, I was the chairman of Condition of Masonry. I'm not sure people are really interested in my resume there. I think we're interested in where we wanna go forward uh, with Grand Lodge. Um, so, but that, that's how it's comprised. And then, you know, if you, who votes, I guess, is the next question that many of your listeners and, and followers want to just have clarified, uh, the members of Grand Lodge vote. 
So who are members of Grand Lodge, Richard? Uh, the members of Grand Lodge are our past masters, our current masters, and our current senior and junior wardens. Um, they are the ones that get to cast a ba ballot, both for uh, the elected positions of, of Grand Lodge and on the constitutional amendments. Now, the, uh, the big statement that you made there and the one that, you know, no, no shortage of electrons or ink, use an old fashioned analogy, have been spilt on is where do we want to see Grand Lodge moving mm, forward? Yeah. So um, that, that is the, the million dollar question, right? Where would you uh, like to see either Grand Lodge or even more generally Freemasonry, um, you know, uh, how and, and how would you like to see it move forward and where would you like to see it uh, move forward to? Well, I'm, I've been blessed in my opportunities in, to be in leadership within Grand Lodge at the present time. I, uh, because the strategic plan is directly under my pillar, and we will be introducing a new strategic plan uh, for the years 2021 through 2026. Uh, this July, our deputy will, will introduce that to us. Uh, we had the opportunity to revisit our vision statement as Grand Lodge. Now, I don't have it in front of me, Cameron. I, I, I wish I did, but I can tell you that the first line is that we see our lodges to be vibrant. We talk in our vision statement about delivering excellence in our ritual. And it is truly ritual that sets Freemasons apart from every other group, whether they be a fraternity or a service club, it is our ritual. And I, I would never wanna see it eroded in any way. Um, I respect everyone has different abilities around ritual. All I say is, are you doing your best? That's all I would ever ask of a man, but it is truly our ritual that sets us apart. So I'll just back up to vibrant lodges. As I said the other night at the candidates meeting, Masons um, are notorious for using words that people don't hear very often. Let's try on parallelopipedon. Uh, vibrant is, is perhaps another one of those. Well, it, it means overflowing with activity, overflowing with uh, excitement and, that's how I'd like to see our lodges. I'd like to see our lodges um, not be perhaps so sedated as some are. Now we have lots that aren't, but we have some that are. But the membership, it, that, that masonry matters to you, that uh, you're participating, that uh, masonry starts in the, in the lodge room and, and then spills out be, beyond that to uh, your life, your community, the life of the lodge, um, and we're taught um, that uh, you know our primary focus is to endeavor to be happy and to communicate happiness to others. So I would hope my my vision is that we can we can in in the context of 2021 and beyond uh, make our lodges a place of activity, of true friendship of um, respected within our communities, known for our generosity and support of those less fortunate than ourselves. 
I, I don't. I, I don't want us anymore to be that light that's under a bushel. I want us to shine our light and let people know who we are and what we do and what we stand for. We have a lot to offer our society today. We have a lot to offer men today in terms of genuine friendship and a place to fit in in the world. Freemasonry is not for everyone. I'll never try to say that, but it is for many. And we just have to become better at communicating who we are and, and what we do for our communities, for our families. And um, that's what I'd like to see. I applaud our present Grand Master and, and a little bit moving forward, our next Grand Master. I have the privilege of knowing a little bit of his heart. Laying a foundation of education and mentoring and ritual is absolutely essential as we come out of this pandemic because men will be seeking the friendship, the personal growth opportunities, and the things that Freemasonry stands for. So we need to be rock solid within our current membership in order to receive the people that are going to be lining up at our doors in the months and years to come. Do you think that Freemasonry should be an enjoyable experience or a fulfilling experience? Or do you think that there's a contradiction between the two? Because I, I just in my opinion, we have, I think we have gone a little bit too much in emphasizing in the way we discuss it or the way we quote unquote promote it. And I don't just mean Grand Lodge Ontario, I mean Freemasonry you know, as a whole. I've seen numerous uh, commercials and advertisements discussing the craft. Um, focusing on the, you know, it's a fun place to be and, and brothers, men enjoy being present and things of that nature and, and less so on the, the fulfilling aspect of it and the, the idea that it can be hard work and challenging and not every meeting is, you know, the most fun thing you can do or the most relaxing thing that can be done. But if it's, a meeting is done well and ritual work is done well, it's a fulfilling experience. The world is better for it. You know, I sometimes liken it to, to exercise. It's not enjoyable in the moment unless you're some crazy person. I don't particularly enjoy <laughs> exercising, but I find it fulfilling when it's over. Um, so I guess, yeah, my question is, should, should to what extent should cremation be an enjoyable experience versus a fulfilling experience? Or is there even a need to have those in conflict? Well, I don't think they are in conflict, uh, Cameron. I, I think that life is full of balance. And what you have brought out is the, the two, what, two of the things that can be in balance in terms of Freemasonry. We should never forget what many of our brethren uh, refer to as the esoteric side, the moral geometry side, the personal growth side, the challenging of uh, uh, aspect of Freemasonry in terms of morals and uh, those kind of things. And they, the um, discussion or the resolution of those sometimes causes us to, to truly ponder. Uh, but th there's a balance. Um, you can't go too much one way without sacrificing the other. So you have to find that, that balance. I think there's room in Freemasonry for both. Uh, 
both uh, happy, joyful, uh, fun times. Our strategic plan has the word fun in it. You can do a word search and you'll find it there once. Um, and we can't uh, have only fun because there is a, a moral geometry, an esoteric side of Freemasonry and, and um, striving to become all that a man can be. And, and Freemasonry helps us become those things when we start to um, ponder it, when we start to understand some of the moral lessons and teachings of it. Um, you can peel back the, the veil of allegory, at least for your own life. I would never tell you that what I have found to be true is true for you necessarily, but I have found a lot of truth in Freemasonry. So those, those things are not in conflict, uh, Cameron, but they, they have to work together in harmony and balance. I, I'll tell you, I, recently is, you know, last, the pandemic's changed my life a lot. Um, uh, personally, I really enjoy my bed in the morning. I love to listen to the radio, the news, and just, you know, ponder my rise. I changed my habits recently, and I get up now uh, right around six o'clock and I do a, a, about 20 minutes of reading and then head out the door for a five and a half kilometer walk. And uh, I will tell you honestly, everyone listening, I do not like getting up at six o'clock, but I do like the benefits of getting up at six o'clock. And I think Masonry, um, Cameron, you're pointing out has some of those. There is sometimes it's tough to learn a piece of ritual. But when you do, you enjoy the benefits of learning that ritual. And I, I think, and again, this is a critique of Freemasonry um, in general, not necessarily the Grand Lodge. Uh, I think that that is where Freemasonry has um, uh, failed in the last several years is it is not doing an adequate job of explaining the, the benefits of the harder parts of it. Um, so we are very good at, you know, uh, uh, come on out, have a beer, have a coffee, and go have a barbecue, the, the fun part. But, you know, I've, I've had uh, brothers say, you know, why, why do I need to attend a business meeting or whatever it is, right? I just sit and listen to the minutes and and, you know, explaining that, well, yes, it may be a couple hours that's, you know, not as fun as watching the game or whatever it is, but, you know, by keeping those minutes, by voting on the accounts, by uh, filing the correspondence, that's ensuring a system is in place so that if a brother becomes ill, there's finances to give to him. That's ensuring a system is in place so that, um, there's continuation of the lodge and that when you are up for a chair, whether it be the junior uh, stewards chair up to the master's chair, you've spent time learning how a lodge runs and works. So you're able to take over and then the administration of it is what ensures it can do community events and things of that nature. I think sometimes we, and I do think there is a hunger for that amongst especially men now. I mean, there's just a book written, uh, gosh, what's it called? The Comfort Crisis. And it's all about 
our, our lives being quote unquote too comfortable to the point where men aren't feeling fulfilled. And you see that with people like uh, Goggins and, and Jock, you know, all these Marine ex guys who now have podcasts and they're basically emphasizing the value and benefit of struggle and that that struggle can result in benefits to oneself, but also benefits in the world around us. And, and I think you're right about that. Uh, we often, uh, I think it's human nature to avoid the difficult. And, and I think that's a fair statement. But masonry and, and being involved as a mason, why should you go to the business meeting? Well, some of the things you've just said. And why should you try to go through every chair? Because every chair, as you move towards the chair of Solomon in the East, uh, gives you a different lesson, teaches you some different skills, whether it's a steward to serve, a deacon to move about the lodge and, and participate in degrees, or the junior warden who has to organize um, some sort of uh, fellowship and repass. All of these things teach us and allow us to grow in life. And even when we aren't good at some of these things, the brethren, uh, part, part of the learning is to accept help, to ask for help. Masonry, uh, uh, we're reminded by past Grand Master, who is no longer with us, Raymond S.J. Daniels, that Masonry is one of the greatest educational institutions in the world and has been since its origin. Uh, it teaches us so much both. So, so the business side of things and the uh, the junior warden getting together the meal and the stewards uh, supporting that, those are all practical lessons in life. The ritual teaches us moral lessons in life. And through all of that, we should uh, Im be improving as men and as masons, contributing better to our society, to our lives, to our families, and growing internally. And really, uh, there is a balance there. And I don't disagree with you. And and I might be accused from time to time. It is easier to talk about our, our charity, charitable givings. I'm very, very excited about our partnership with Feed Ontario through the Masonic Foundation of Ontario. Um, I think there's a tremendous number of ways to help us, help the public see us in a very, very uh, positive light. But you are right, and we must never... Uh, sacrifice those uh, underlying pillars of, of education, of self-development, of the moral geometry and esoteric nature of Freemasonry to the fun, the fellowship, and, and the, uh, the generosity of our hearts. So it, it's, again, it's about balance, and that is, that is tough to do, um, but um, I'm certainly committed to trying to do that, and I'm always thankful when brethren uh, remind me or challenge me if I seem to be getting out of balance one way or the other. Speaking of the connection between a, a Freemasonry and, and a community, that is, is something uh, I also very much enjoy discussing. And I think you're correct. In you know, I think you're 100% right in terms of Freemasons do a lot for the community. Um, and you know, the, sadly, we don't see it like we used to, but, you know, the opening of a, or the, the chartering of a new Masonic Lodge should be a cause for celebration, not just for Masons, but for the communities in which the Lodge is opened. Um, 
even something, you know, there's obviously charitable work, as you discussed, but also, um, and this is something I discussed in the podcast, even just the benefits to the local economy. Uh, you know, many, um, pretty much every free Masonic Lodge, right, will make use of local restaurants, local businesses to cater events, to cater meetings. Um, how important do you think is that? Just the, the promotion of Freemasonry, not in terms of a desire for membership or anything of that nature, but just promoting the value of a Masonic Lodge, of a Masonic Temple in a community and developing partnerships between a temple and local businesses uh, in the area. I think it's tremendously important because, uh, and I think what you're talking about is creating that favorable impression of the institution, which we ask every candidate uh, uh, during admission. It, it's, it's terribly important uh, to remove the veil of uh, conspiracy, of misinformation, we are good men, upright men in our community, doing good things, as you've pointed out. I don't know of any lodge that isn't uh, contributing to their community in a number of ways. As you say, the, the, the very simple and straightforward way of supporting the local economy because we are uh, consumers uh, is a positive thing. And we will pay our bills, by the way. Um, we are upright people men. Uh, there's a certain civility about us that uh, enhance the community um, and the image of the community. But we, we have let people like Dan Brown and other movies uh, and, and books and so on uh, create our image. And I believe it's time that we take back our story and we start telling the world who we are and what we believe. And then the communities won't look at us um, sort of cross-eyed, if you know what I mean. Well, what are you guys really up to in there? Well, we're just regular guys who love to get together. We do practice ritual. My oldest daughter, uh, who just turned 18, or will turn 18 in June, um, just a few months ago, uh, finally realized, because uh, I, I was describing that, uh, you know, uh, our rituals are like a play. And she says, oh, you're just theater boys. I said, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and she says, oh, well, that makes it a whole lot easier to understand, Dad. <laughs> Why didn't you tell us that? So I, I think that if we remove, we, we have our secrets, and I'm not saying reveal our secrets, but if we are clear about who Freemasons are, what we believe and what we stand for, I think our, our perception in the community will greatly, greatly improve. And uh, we do charity, we do it more quietly, but I'm of the mindset that uh, um, we're just on the verge of announcing that we want, uh, we're, we're trying to grow this organically where the lodges partner with their local food banks and they report uh, to Grand Lodge what they've done. Number of hours, number of pounds or kilograms, uh, or number and or number of dollars that they're doing locally to partner with the $50,000 a year so far that the uh, Masonic Foundation of Ontario has committed to Feed Ontario, which is the umbrella organization for uh, food banks across Ontario. Um, I think it would be great to be able to say, 
you know those guys that wear suits and carry little bags into that hall every second Thursday of the month. Well, they're the guys that gave $6,000 to the local food bank along with uh, a ton, uh, 2,000 pounds of food. And, and by the way, they're the guys um, behind the sorting counter that are helping support our community. I don't see any problem with that because if that opens the conversation with our communities as to who we are and what we do and why they should be involved, that opens the conversation to the, the growth, um, uh, the personal growth that men receive, the, uh, the educational parts of, of Freemasonry, along with the fun and the charity. It all goes hand in hand. You cannot get, in my opinion, you cannot get rid of one or the other. They both have to be there and we have to find the balance to make it all work. You brought up uh, Dan Brown. <laughs> and uh, that's, you know, the, the, this is this thing I've discussed with the other uh, candidates so far, but it has been, you know, in my, my podcast, um, you know, depictions of Freemasonry or sometimes Freemasonry as Freemasonry, sometimes Freemasonry as another term, you know, stonecutters, uh, in the Simpsons, um, you know, depictions of Freemasonry in pop culture, in mass media. That's always a very interesting and, and tricky subject. Uh, I've done a few episodes with a friend of mine, worship brother Igor Strukin, examining different depictions of Freemasonry in pop culture. The first one I started with, because it's one of my favorite movies, was uh, From Hell featuring uh, Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm where uh, Jack the Ripper is uh, erroneously, but nonetheless in the movie depicted as a Freemason. I remember Igor joking, you know, grandma is going to kick you out of the craft for this, but I'm always of two minds because I personally love that movie. And, you know, if, if in, for the purpose of a story, you know, the Freemasons are to be the bad guys kind of thing. I don't mind as long as it's a good story and it's kind of fun, but you know, there is the danger of people getting the wrong impressions or joining for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, what is your view just in general on depictions of Freemasonry and pop culture and even, you know, Grand Lodge, for example, um, not Grand Lodge, but like the Scottish Rite um, Cathedral in Hamilton being used in pop culture, being used as a filming location. Uh, just that connection between the craft and mass media. Well, you know, I think it's a great opportunity and, and I don't have a problem particularly with Freemasons being depicted anywhere. If we did a better job of, of portraying who we really are, um, literary license um, is going to exist and uh, I think they do it for the purpose of the story. And I don't disagree with you. What's that? National Treasure, I think, is, is one that uh, comes to mind for me. And I'm going, you know, I, I got to admire the writers because there's just enough truth in there. Uh, but it makes a great story. So I have no opposition to that. Uh, the Stonecutters, uh, Dan Brown's books, it creates an excitement. But what, what I think we lack as Freemasons is the balancing side of our own truth. 
uh, we're allowing the pop culture, uh, the Dan Browns and the national treasures of the world to define us where we have not defined ourselves to the public. They have no place to go to say, how close is Dan Brown to the reality of Freemasons in 2021? Uh, and, and that's where I think we're falling down. Uh, pop culture, love it. Bring on those movies, bring on those uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, uh, we'll denounce Jack the Ripper and everybody will laugh. But uh, what we need to be very clear with our public is, with, with the world around us is, uh, who we are, what we stand for. We have to be very clear. And I think when you look at our vision statement that will be released in July, you'll begin to see that we're trying to tell people more of who we are and what we really stand for and why they should consider becoming a Freemason. Um, so yeah, I go for it. I, I wish Dan would write another book because uh, we get lap applications, but we have to be very careful that we uh, correct, amend, or, or make sure that people understand that that's fiction. This is the reality that you're joining. And um, if we do that, bring on the books, bring on the movies. And I think that they will uh, maybe begin to depict this just a little bit differently. I think we have to look to, masonry has survived because we have adapted to the evolution of culture over 300 years. You think we don't do things differently and there's lots of things that are the same, but lots of things have changed. But what we have to adapt to 35 years ago, when my dad became a Mason, when my grandfather became a Mason, uh, even to some degree when I became a Mason, um, you didn't have to tell people who you were because they knew. Uh, you sat in church with them. You were in the hockey arenas with them. You were at the ball diamonds with them. You were in the curling rinks with them. You were, you know, at, at the local pub with them. Uh, they knew who the Masons were, but we have we have lost that personal connection uh, so much uh, that the general society doesn't really know who we are, what we stand for. And I think that that will be a critical piece moving forward um, to our ongoing success and, and perhaps uh, ongoing survival uh, as an organization. Uh, well, maybe survival is not the right word. Maybe relevant, restoring our relevance, I think is what I want to say. Restoring our relevance within society. We, we, have, to, we have to start telling our story. Uh, I've said that before. I'll, I'll say it again. And if I'm, I'm fortunate enough um, to be reelected and, and continue in a leadership role, I'll be continuing to promote that theme around the, the management table or wherever I land uh, within the committee structure of Grand Lodge. The, the relevance of Freemasonry is something very, I agree, something very important, uh, especially, uh, I don't think it's breaking any, any ground to say there's a lot of problems in the world, or so it seems right now. Um, a lot of those problems seem to be connected to a lack of connection amongst individuals and people. And, you know, this isn't a, a again, this isn't a groundbreaking uh, statement, but, you know, the decline in social capital and in civic institutions Robert Putman talked about this in, you know, Bowling Alone, I think in 1998. Uh, 
you know, Freemasonry is one of those organizations, and, and in my opinion, it would be the the keystone one amongst when you think about like Rotary, else whatever it may be. You know, the Freemasons is kind of the gold standard for a civic institution that can connect, you know, people would say it connects men to each other, but really it connects men and their families and their communities to each other, um, you know, across class lines, racial lines, religious lines, whatever it may be, it's a, it's a way to bring a community together. Uh, and if ever there was a time that we could use a bit more togetherness, it seems like, you know, May of 2021 uh, moving forward. Absolutely uh, correct in, in your thinking and, and the statements that you've made. Um, we have the opportunity to, to bring that relevance, that connection back, because it's our, it's our foundation. Uh, we haven't changed those uh, cornerstone pieces of our organization. The brotherly love, the relief, the truth, the importance of, of uh, family, the importance of, of uh, inclusiveness. I mean, we were the champions of inclusiveness. Uh, we should never forget that. Uh, every man has the opportunity to become a Mason. We have one criteria, the existence of a, of a supreme being, uh, honestly. And um, there we'll take the, the, the rough ashler and we'll begin to apply the principles of Freemasonry to a man's life and watch him grow and mature and become a pillar and a, and a finished ashler within his community. And that, that's not only the lodge and his family, his workplace and, and beyond. Um, so we are the principles upon which we um, grow and lean on and are fundamental to our, our institution are timeless and they continue to be important in men's lives today. And I think some men are waking up and realizing they're missing that connection as has been written about. And, and it's been going on for some time. If we begin to um, look at ourselves a little differently, um, talk about ourselves a little bit differently, uh, letting people know uh, who we are, what we stand for, uh, get out there in our community and be visible, the square and compass visible, take away the, the, the um, uh, misconceptions, the misinformation about Masons, and give them a, a real glimpse of our hearts and our lives. Uh, many, many men, as I said, not, Masonry isn't for everyone, but those that it is, they will see that there is their opportunity. And then we have a responsibility, the craft, to, uh, to meet them and to fulfill the things uh, that we promote ourselves to be. And that uh, will be the challenge going forward as well to us. Does, um, you know, uh, as we talk about kind of the, the current uh, problems that we're seeing in the world and the role that Freemasonry can play in alleviating or fixing some of those problems um, and bringing, you know, uh, 
a significant amount, I believe, you know, a, a vibrant craft would result in much more stability and, and uh, much more stability in the world and much less of the, some of the, the fears and anxieties that we're seeing amongst people because, um, you know, Freemasonry is, is just another, amongst many other things, it's a support system. So when jobs are at risk, when the economy is not doing well, when your health is at risk because of a pandemic, uh, when you're concerned about the ability to, you know, care for yourself or your family or whatever it is, to have the knowledge that, you know, Freemasonry is persisting and will persist, uh, I think that can be a major stabilizing factor in a very unstable world. Well, and I think so. And I think to some degree, we, we have demonstrated that in this pandemic. And I, and I have the greatest respect for the leadership of our Grand Master through this. Uh, in, and to, in response to his leadership, that Masons have um, adhered to uh, the um, guidelines of public health. Uh, Masons, uh, for the most part, being willing uh, as they are able to roll up their sleeves and, and participate. Our, our tradition of civility um, goes a long, long way within our communities in some of the things you're talking about. Our acceptance of all people, regardless of faith, uh, sexual orientation, um, backgrounds, um, you know, race, all those things, our inclusiveness um, holds us so steadfast and the world needs to hear those messages and they hear, uh, hear those messages through Masons one person at a time um, through us living those messages um, portraying those messages to our friends our neighbors our families our co-workers within our communities and you know sometimes maybe we need to be a little bit more vocal about some of these things um, as individuals at least um, to say to the world around us this is um, the way we should conduct ourselves um, in a society of, of caring uh, people. I was very proud of, uh, of like I say our grandmaster's leadership during this time and I know that he has our best interests at heart uh, even though these are difficult decisions to say we can't meet uh, in person. Um, but he, you know, his leadership um, now being portrayed through us by doing the things that we need to do does spread and influence in our communities. So uh, keep up the good work, fellow Masons. You brought up vaccinations. Um, I feel like that has been a missed opportunity in the craft. So I, um, you know, back in the 50s and, and, and the Windsor Masonic Temple, for example, and many other Masonic temples were, were vaccination sites. We were kind of at the forefront um, in North America, you know, so many had ballrooms. We were, we were at the forefront of being a facility where, you know, polio, especially polio vaccines um, took place. Um, as part of this podcast, I spoke with a uh, right worshipful brother, Oscar Allen from the Grand Lodge of New York. Mm -hmm. He is the chief um, 
of programs at the National Association for City and County Health Officials. So we had a long discussion with him and he talked about vaccines and the process by which the COVID-19 vaccine was created um, and, and did a lot in that, that podcast to answer any concerns regarding you know, vaccine hesitancy. Um, and I've posted that a few times and, and even myself, you know, when I, when I got my vaccine, um, right, I didn't get the vaccine for myself or I'm, I'm grateful I got it, right? I got it same way I get a flu shot because I don't want to spread possibly a disease to somebody else. Um, so I think I put on Facebook or social media, you know, get vaccinated is the Masonic thing to do, something to that effect, you know, linking the idea of a vaccination with the Masonic ideals of brotherhood and charity and community service. Same thing with wearing a mask, with adhering to social guidelines, you know, combining that with the Masonic ideals of brotherhood and, and uh, good citizenship. But I feel like, you know, another example, if Freemasons had more relevance in the community, we could do more to promote vaccines and vaccinations and public health measures. Um, the closest I've seen to it would be brother Brad Paisley, um, you know, a, a famous country music artist. I love country music. He did a, a, a public service announcement encouraging vaccinations, but he did it not as, you know, brother Brad Paisley. He did it as Brad Paisley, you know, music superstar. So just, I feel like, especially having um, a grandmaster who is a doctor, who is a healthcare provider, you know, doing more to encourage public health measures, especially to our own brothers and, you know, saying, reminding them, make sure you get vaccinated and make sure you, you know, set a good example in that way. Um, I think promotion within the craft, um, perhaps there's more opportunity to, to let people know to do that. The, the brothers that I'm in conversation with, um, there doesn't seem to be any hesitancy. Uh, in fact, in some cases there was frustration. They couldn't get in as quickly as they wanted to. Um, as you know, I'm not a, uh, I, I think now it's been several weeks since I had to go back to the car to get my mask. So I'm kind of into the habit. Um, but, um, you know, I don't think, so yes, I agree with you that we certainly have, should have no issue with uh, promoting public health guidelines and, and uh, dispelling myths about the vaccines. There's no chips in them and, and those kind of things um, within the craft. And then through our example, uh, that should spread throughout our community. Um, so yeah, I, I have no disagreement with, with what you said. Um, and, and I certainly, I, I certainly tell, say, you know, roll up your sleeve. I, I want to be part of the solution, not the problem. So if I don't wear my mask, I see myself as part of the problem. If I don't get the vaccine, which I already had my first shot, um, I, I would see myself as part of the problem. And I don't want to be part of the problem. I do want to be part of the solution so that we can get back to a more, uh, a life that resembles what it was pre-COVID uh, as quickly as possible. That is a good Masonic principle, uh, be part of the solution. That could be uh, 
that statement could stand in for a lot of our, our ritual right there. Uh, you know what, since you're, you're wearing it, I'm, I'm going to bring it up. Uh, your tie, yes, that's sir. an example of Masonic um, community involvement. Uh, I've seen it several times. Talk a bit about it because it's a great program that it represents. And um, that's just another example of, of Freemasons doing good in the community. So this is the tie from our Masonic chip program uh, started by past Grandmaster Alan J. Petrosor. And it continues today um, under the auspices of its own uh, foundation. And I had the privilege of serving on the board for uh, two or three years. I'm no longer uh, a board member of Masonicship, but happy to talk about it because I believe in it. Um, I believe that it is a super way for lodges to get relevance in their community. And let me just share a personal story of our own lodge. Um, a number of years ago, um, every week there's a fire prevention week. So I went down to our local fire department and asked, they would always have an open house day. So I explained to them what Masonic chip was. We're going to give parents at no cost to them a kit, a child identification kit, should their child ever become lost or uh, more tragic circumstances, they would have a kit with their fingerprints, their um, voice print, et cetera. You, you know what's in the kit. And uh, we'd like to do that in your fire hall as part of fire prevention week um, and, and your open house. We did that. We had three men walk up to uh, myself as the organizer at, at that clinic and said, I've always wanted to be a Freemason. How do I join? And uh, two of those men did join. One has since become a past master of our lodge. So that's how long ago it was. Uh, one continues to be a member. One of, those member. one of those men who came forward after the proper process, he determined that it wasn't the right time for him to join. But literally in the small community of Baden, Ontario, just outside of Kitchener, on that Sunday afternoon, three men approached us. So if you are not out in your community in some way, shape or form, and the Masonic chip program is a super accepted, easy way to get yourself at a festival, at a fair, at an open house, at an event, you can do it in conjunction with your own lodge open house. Um, and, and then people are there, you can talk to them about who, who you are as a Freemason and what you do and bless them with a little peace of mind that if anything were to uh, happen to their child, that they didn't come home, that you had a tool to assist law enforcement. So uh, fantastic program. If your lodge isn't involved, I, I just ask you, why not? Uh, why isn't your lodge involved? Every, you know, uh, the, in the cities, um, oh, what is it? Oh, uh, oh come on, in, in Streetsville, the lodges down there, uh, the, the Bread and Honey Festival. They always have a, a Masonic chip clinic. Every community has something where your lodge could say, stick up their hand and say, we'd like to come, we'd like to run a clinic, we'd like to offer this to the parents of children in our community. And not only parents or children, um, there's also opportunity for uh, the elderly who uh, suffer from Alzheimer's, uh, a hideous and horrible uh, disease, but it also gives the families a peace of mind. If their loved one wanders off, they too would then have the necessary tools to assist law enforcement, a current picture, all those things to assist law enforcement 
in, in the successful uh, return of, of their loved ones. So I asked the lodgers, why aren't you involved? This is easy. This is a good thing for the community. And um, it, it, it just, it gets you out there with the square and compass and gives you a chance to talk to people about um, masonry. And I would concur completely. It is a great program and well worth any lodge uh, checking out. Yep. So I think with that, you know, I, I guess the, the last thing that, that um, just I'll, I'll leave with or, or that you can leave with is, you know, for any brethren watching this, whether you are a member of the Grand Lodge, so past master, master, warden, um, or even, you know, you're, you're a newer mason, you're not at that level yet. Um, you know, the importance of participating in things like Grand Lodge, either voting if you have the ability to vote or learning about the process and paying attention. So when you do have that ability, you can take part. Just the, the importance of being active, both at the Lodge level, but at the Grand Lodge level as well. Well, I appreciate that opportunity. Um, your name on a roll and your annual check to the Lodge is appreciated. However, your presence and active, active participation, we would be overjoyed with. You have something to offer to your Lodge. Every member has something to offer to their Lodge. And we invite you to come out and, and Freemasonry is a wonderful organization that, that has something for every man at every stage of life. So please consider being active. Why be active at Grand Lodge? Because there is no chicken and egg story here. With no Grand Lodge, there's no real lodges and we need you, but we need your participation because we do things and, and enable things that a single lodge can't do on their own, like Masonichip. A single lodge couldn't totally run the Masonichip program. You need a governing organization to do those things. Uh, you need the Grand Lodge. We need your participation and we need your feedback so that we know what you're thinking. You have good ideas, please share them, uh, but we need you. We're not vibrant without you. Um, we're planning uh, the technology that will be in place for the annual communication this year for the virtual. Uh, we will be able to accommodate 3,000 of you, just, under just over 10% of our membership. I would love to see a waiting list or a, a waiting room of another 1,000 people waiting to come and be seated uh, in the annual communication. Come, see what we do. Um, is it overly exciting? Not, uh, not usually, but is it important? Absolutely. And your participation is, is essential to the uh, stability and I believe ultimately the growth of our organization. And with that, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Square and Compass podcast. I wish you and all the candidates the best of luck and I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you for the invitation, Cameron, and all the best to you and all of our followers.